Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. Who's excited about Christmas? Oh, okay, a lot of Christmas lovers. Okay, that's cool. Um, We got some new artwork this week. Jay uh, did this, this graffiti-style advent. Nice. Still got it. Um, And basically, we're going to celebrate Advent with the whole church around the world for the next four weeks. Um, No one really knows when Advent, like, started, like, who created it, where it originated, but we all know what it means. Have you all ever heard the word Advent? Who in here knows what Advent even means? Because I didn't. I like the word, but I was like, what does that even mean? Well, Advent is a time where the church eagerly awaits and prepares to celebrate the nativity of Jesus at Christmas. It comes from a Latin word meaning coming. So for us as Christians, this season, this four weeks of Advent anticipates two different types two different perspectives of the coming of Jesus. First, we try to understand and put ourselves uh, in the feelings of our brothers and sisters before us as they were awaiting a Messiah, the coming of Jesus. So we can like, get excited what they felt like when Jesus actually came. And then second, we're reminded that we're supposed to be alert because Jesus is coming back for the second time. So we're, we're in this phase where we can look back and just imagine all the like, craziness in the world where all these Jews were expecting this Messiah, which was totally different than they thought, and what it was like back then. But then we can also look forward and say, man, Jesus is actually coming back. That's not, that's not just a, a sentence that has no meaning. It's true. Jesus is coming back. Is that, do y'all think about that? Like Jesus is coming back, and he can come back at any time. We don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back. So traditionally, like I said, we celebrate it for the next four Sundays, this Sunday, the next three Sundays. um, And because we are such a traditional church, um, that's what we're going to do starting today. Okay. Um, So I've been thinking through this, though, and I think it's a great question for all of us to think about. But it's what exactly is the traditional meaning of Christmas? I know what Christmas is today and in 2016 in America. But what is the traditional meaning of Christmas? What's the original point? And why do we care now? Why do we actually care now? You know, and from Black Friday to New Year's Day, I think the meaning of Christmas gets lost very easily in the traveling, in the shopping, in the decorations, and the kids getting out of school, and the New Year resolutions, and the forced family time, and the catching up with old friends, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and with all these extracurricular stuff, all of these things that we do during this time of the year, we, they were actually originated from original source, uh, a single event. And like most things, this original source, this single event, we as Americans have taken that event and we've commercialized it, we've profited from it, we've diluted it, we've made it less offensive, more inclusive, and we've almost sucked out the whole original meaning of it. Because that's what we do. We, we privatize it, and we, we make it benefit to us. Um, and so this sermon series, this season of Advent, you know, me and Jay, we really hope to discover with you guys some of the original 
purpose and meaning of Christmas with the understanding and hope that in turn, we're actually going to draw closer to God, the Father, because of this amazing, miraculous event that we're all familiar with, but we might not actually really understand. So today, I have a question for you guys, and this is the question. To you, what is the first hint that Christmas is coming? Commercials? You know, people might say, like, music. Uh, People might say Black Friday. Pumpkin spice spice lattes from Starbucks. Um, Eggnog, I can't even talk about that. That makes me want to get queasy. So to me... To me, the answer is obvious, and it's the appearance of lights. And I'm not saying externally. I'm saying when I go to Home Depot, and it's not even Halloween, and they have their section for Christmas lights already up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Christmas is in two and a half months, so maybe I should buy my lights now. Um, But lights are quintessential Christmas season gear, right? Like, you got to have lights. And if you don't have lights outside your house, then you have to have them inside your house. Like, I'm going to let you guys in on something. My wife, Jennifer, put these lights around the centerpiece of our table with these, uh, what are they, pine cones, festive pine cones. And uh, like two weeks before Thanksgiving, because she was just too excited and she just wanted to go ahead and get it over with. And so they're out there. And like, how many people, did anyone here go see the Night of Lights in St. Augustine? Like, people love lights, you know? Like, um, I don't know, who in here has driven around before Christmas around their neighborhood just to see it all lit up because it's so amazing and you drive by that crazy person who's collected lights, signs, and dolls, and statues for 30 years and, you know, whose life will be remembered uh, for these flashing bulbs and their two grand a month bill of electricity and his tombstone will probably have Christmas lights around it. But we love it, right? We love it. We want to see it. We want to get into it. So lights are a big part of Christmas. But the point I want to make is today is that the lights aren't just decorative. They're actually supposed to be symbolic. They're not just decorative. They're supposed to be symbolic of what, though? So I'm going to read this in Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. So here's a Christmas spiritual truth for today. The world is a dark place, and we will never find our way or see reality unless Jesus is our light. Um, That's what we're going to be talking about today. So... First question is, the world is a dark place, so how is the world actually dark? I think the world's dark in two different ways. It's dark with evil, and it's dark with ignorance. It's filled with evil, like violence, injustice, abuse, homelessness, oppression, grief, all these things, right? We can all testify to that, that we know that's in the world. But it's also ignorant because it's in the dark, because we don't know enough to cure evil or the suffering it causes. We as humans cannot figure out the problem of evil. We've been trying for a long time and it still exists and it's still here. So the world is dark. 
Um, And what we've said here at Image and what we believe clearly is stated in the Bible is that we humanity are incapable of fixing the problem of evil in our uh, intellect or our innovation. Like, we can't do it. The chapter before I read that verse in Isaiah, in chapter 8, it says this. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. They are fa- when they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Um, this is our predicament as humans right here. And it's the complete opposite. It's actually the complete opposite of the Christmas message we hear year to year here in America. Because um, we as a collective society like to preach a message like this, like, it's Christmas time, we know people are hurting, there's evil in the world, and we have no one to blame but ourselves, but let's rally together, let's, let's let peace happen on earth through us, let's fix our problems, and yes, let's just make it happen this holiday season. And the problem is the original message of Christmas is not, it is not, we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace by ourselves. Like, that is not the message of the original story of Christmas. The original message of Christmas is actually the most unsentimental, realistic way of looking at life. Because we are hopeless, and we are walking in the dark, and we are surrounded by a dark world. That is the context of Christmas then, and actually the context of Christmas now. And before you start thinking, like, what's up with Pastor Scrooge up there? You know, he's ruining Christmas for everybody. Uh, let's go back to Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah is using uh, God's word saying, a light has dawned. He's basically symbolizing God's light like the sun. And way p- smarter people than me have shown the connection that um, basically in this way, he's showing that God's light actually brings life, truth, and beauty to our world and just like the actual sunlight itself does. And so I'm gonna actually break down some of these attributes of light and we're gonna go through them together. So light has dawned life, okay? We are subjected to death because we have lost our original, full, right relationship with God, who is the author of life. So the author of life's here, we're here, great, but then it's broken. So because we don't have connection with the author of life anymore, we actually are subjected to death because we have nothing to bring us life. So... And if you don't think that's true, you need to read Romans. You can go back and read our righteousness of, or listen to our Righteousness of God series because we talked about that a lot. But we will experience physical death and we actually experience spiritual death now. So one day we will experience physical death, but we experience spiritual death now because we don't have a relationship right with God. What does that mean? Well, we um, lose like meaning we lose our sense of hope. Uh, we become addicted. 
we have unwarranted desires, we, we have deep discontent that can't be satisfied by anything in the world, but yet we keep trying to satisfy this emptiness inside of us. Um, we deal with shame and struggles with who we are and our identity. Um, we have this inability to change. Can you relate to any of those things? Like, that is all of us, right? And the only way we receive life eternally and currently is in this dawning light. Acts 17, 28 says this, for in him we live and move and have our being. Okay, this great light, this dawning light gives us life. Number two, light has dawned truth. It's impossible to see what's truly in front of you or around you in the dark. You can't, you can't see it. You can't know what's truly there in the darkness. In Ephesians it says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of, their, of the ignorance that is due to them, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Because we are dark, separated from God, we cannot see truth clearly. Because we, we just can't see. Our hearts are hardened and our eyes have been darkened to the truth. Um, only light reveals true things in the dark. And God is the source of all truth. God is the source of all truth. We know that, it says in 1 John, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out, what? The truth. Light brings truth into the darkness. It exposes the darkness. It exposes what's beyond the darkness. Third, light has dawned beauty. Light is dazzling. It gives joy. We know this because we see it in the Christmas season. Like we said, all y'all love going around just seeing the whole town lit up. It gives us joy. And we also know that because if you ever hear about people who live in countries way up north or way down south in the world and it's dark for most of the day, what happens? They get depressed because they need light to actually physically, biologically have joy. And um, basically, the joy of light is that we get to experience um, what is made by God, what's lovely. Whatever you find lovely in this world, do you realize the only reason you think it's lovely because it bears the signature of a lovely creator? Um, all joy ultimately is found in God. Anything you find joy on earth only points to that something else made that which contains the truest joy you're seeking for. So God alone has the life, truth, and beauty we lack and cannot generate ourselves. How does that light actually dawn, come, come up from the horizon um, upon us? How does Isaiah say it will flash in front of us? Well, he says, for to us, a child is born. Most people know that verse, right? That is, that's like, that's an awesome Christmas verse that you like, yes, this is it. For to us, 
a child is born. God's light comes into the world of darkness in the form of a child, in the package of a child. All right? We know who that child is because we all know who, that Christmas is about Jesus, right? So we know that this divine light has come into the world at Christmas in the form of Jesus. And Jesus is the divine light of the world because he brings new life to replace spiritual deadness. He shows us the truth that heals our spiritual blindness. And he is the beauty that breaks our addiction to money, sex, and power. Jesus is the divine light. He is the one where you're going to receive all the things we want. We want, and we want to have life. We don't want to be dead. We want to have truth because we're tired of being lied to by the world. And we want to see real beauty because the things we think are beautiful turn out to be ugly. Right? So the question is, if Jesus is the divine light and he possesses all those things that we desperately desire, how does that light become our light? How do we have that light. And the way that happens is not only is just a child born, but for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. God's light, this child, is given to us. It's a gift. The great salvation, the way that we come into the light and escape the darkness, is actually a gift given to us. So we all know Christmas is also about receiving presents, right? We love that about Christmas. I have already given my parents their list like in July, I think. So we love that about Christmas. But the thing about presents is interesting. Um, they seem great, but truth be told, some presents are actually hard to receive. Some gifts are hard to receive. Um, examples. So if someone gives you a gift and it's a dieting book because they love you and they're like, hey, I heard this is, it's amazing, it works. Here's for you. I bought it for you. To receive that gift, you might have to admit some uncomfortable things, right? It's, that's like, thank you, uh, Cool. You know, like when I was in high school, my mom always gave me uh, dress shirts. Why? Because she wanted me to know that I still dress like a child. <laughs> and that's a hard gift to receive, right? Which I did not receive. They always ended up in the trash. But anyway, like there's, there's hard truths. And this is what is what's difficult about gifts. Like Another example currently for me is my grandparents actually just gave me their car. And it's by far the nicest car I've ever had. And it seems on the surface like that's an amazing thing. But I had to swallow a lot of pride. One, that I couldn't afford a car like that. Two, that people might look at me a certain way because I'm driving a nice car. Um, three, that I felt like this urge, like maybe I should have done more to, like, like it just feels weird to freely be given a gift that you didn't deserve, all right? So, like, even working at this church for the past two years, I've been raising support to work here. And so, it's constantly in front of me that people want to give to me to support my family, but I have to swallow my pride of this idea that 
you know, I actually need to get another job because this is what is actually going to support my family. I'm going to feel good about myself because I'm doing it instead of letting other people do it for me. And it's, it's hard, right? So, but what I want to say to you is, honestly, there has never been and will never be a gift that makes you swallow your pride to the depths of the gift of Jesus. There's never going to be one that's going to make you swallow your pride to that depth. Um, Christmas means to actually celebrate Christmas and its original meaning means that we are lost and hopeless and nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself can save us. Um, To accept the true Christmas gift, you need to give up control of your life. That, Like we talked about last week, it's like if someone gives you a gift, you have to receive it, but we are so tightly held to our own life that we can't, it's hard to like, you have to swallow your pride to let go of your own life to accept this new life and this new gift. Because to let go of your own life means that you failed, that you didn't do it well, that, that you've fallen short. And yet the Bible tells that all of us have done that, that we've all fallen short, but we're so prideful that we still think that we can do our own life and accept this on the side, which is untrue. You, can't, you cannot serve two masters right? So you have to let go of your control of your own life. And it's, it's humbling ourselves lower than any of us really want to go. I mean, that's the fact. Like, we don't really want to acknowledge the fact that we weren't good enough and that we couldn't do it well enough. Um, so the point is, our life in the holiness of God is an astounding failure. We didn't do it. We have sinned and sinned mightily. So we have, we have failed. And so to humble yourself on that fact that yes, I have failed and I need to bow down before the king of kings and bow down to someone who says they can save me to reconcile me to God takes a lot of humidity, humility and a lot of it like more so than we want to admit. Um, Yet, at the same time, Jesus' greatness is seen at Christmas and how far down he came to love us. In the same way that we've been called to lay our life down, we can look at Jesus and his greatness by how far he came down for us. Your spiritual regeneration and eventually your own greatness will be achieved going down that same path. Like, greatness is not going up. I love the phrase, he descended into greatness. Okay, I've been thinking about that this week. He descended into greatness. Greatness means going down. Our world tells us greatness is climbing the ladder. But what we're saying and what God has said in the Bible is that Greatness is descending. So the Bible says it's only through repentance. It's only through lowering ourselves and submitting ourselves before Jesus that he will come, that we will come into his radiant light. That's the only way. We cannot figure it out on our own. So we actually have to come before Jesus, submit ourselves lower ourselves down to Jesus to come into greatness, to come into his radiant life. And we have to give up control of our life. And we have to put our trust in our Savior, 
We have to put our trust that our life and everything in it is actually supposed to be in Jesus Christ and that he will give us new life that we can't achieve on our own. And the light of the world who descended into darkness will actually return us back to God in his magnificent light. So um, the story of Christmas is actually, it's a lot of things, but the main thing is called the incarnation. It means God actually became human and walked among us. And the implications of it are so insane, so crazy. But I I read this thing that C.S. Lewis said, um, and it was mind-blowing to me. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read it to you because I think it's one of the best, uh, just the best examples of what actually the incarnation means. So in the Christmas story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he created. One may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanished, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks uh, surface again, holding in his hand the dripping precious thing he went down to recover. When Jesus was on the cross, it says that darkness came over the land. Jesus descended like the diver down from the heights of light and radiance through time and space to the darkest corners. And he didn't just descend down to the world. He actually descended even further. He went into the sin of the whole world. He went into the darkest, worst possible part of the world to rescue his precious treasures and to bring them back to the Father's marvelous light. So he came down to us to rescue us, to take us back up to the Father's marvelous light. And so when you read 1 Peter, you get a a different sense of what he's talking about. But you were chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is why we celebrate Christmas. We were lost in eternal darkness, unable to see a way out. And a light has dawned in Jesus. He came to find us in the darkness. We could not see anything. And he came to us in the darkness. We take communion because we remember that Jesus experienced the darkness of this world on the cross through breaking his body and through shedding his blood. He experienced the darkness and the evil and the ignorance of this world to the fullest on the cross. But his light was not lost in the darkness. The darkness did not overcome the light. You understand? It exposed the darkness. It actually helped us to see that there was darkness. And um, he actually pushed back the darkness. The light actually pushed back the darkness. And 
not only that, it actually defeated darkness forever. He, he made a way, he made his way back up to the Father on the throne of heaven in the midst of all darkness trying to consume him. So he has defeated darkness. And if you are in Jesus Christ, you have defeated darkness. Darkness will not overcome you. So my question for you this morning as they're bringing up communion is, are you going to let Jesus' call, are you going to let Jesus call you out of the darkness because he's calling you out of the darkness? Or are you going to ignore him and run from him and stay in darkness forever? That's the question all of us actually have to answer. And it's not just a verbal answer, it's with your life answer. Are you going to sit in the darkness of this world and let things play out, hoping that one day everything's gonna be all right and we're finally gonna get it together, we're gonna figure it out and then there's not gonna be any evil anymore and everything's gonna be great? Or are you gonna put your hope, rest, trust, everything you have, your whole life, into the light of the world, the one that wants to save you from the darkness and the one that wants to expose the darkness and the one that wants to give you victory eternally over darkness and actually victory right now over darkness. That's the choices that we have. Um, among the millions and millions of lights that we're gonna see this holiday season, right now, while we're taking community, our communion, while we're worshiping, you know, I want us to really remember that all of this is based on the fact that there was only one true light of the world. We can rejoice in Jesus because a light has dawned. There is hope. Like God did not leave us be. God did not let us just waste away in darkness forever. That we created. He actually came to us, went past us, came into our own sin, forgave us, and has taken his precious treasures and taking it back to heaven. Because God actually views his creation, actually views us, humanity, his highest creation, as treasures. He views you as that valuable to rescue and save. 